Welcome to Third Eye Science. I'm your host, Susan Bontoon, and on this podcast, we will be exploring the lines between science and spirituality. As a scientist and a yogi, I've found that these two realms do not have to be mutually exclusive. With the perspective of a logical scientist, I've navigated my own spiritual journey with a curious, open mind. I'll share lessons and tools I've found along the way and have compelling conversations with spiritual leaders, teachers, yogis, healers, and fellow travelers about their experiences and practices. In this age of information and misinformation, it's time to interpret and understand the world with your third eye. Welcome to Third Eye Science. Before we jump into the episode, I just want to share a couple of my offerings in case you could use some support as we enter into the new year. My weekly energetic tune-ups on Soul Tribe Online are every Monday at 5.30 p.m., but these Classes are recorded and you can access them in the class archive on Soul Tribe Online. And this class is always less than 60 minutes. It's about 45 to 50 minutes long. And during the class, we tune in to ourselves and tune up our energetic field through movement, breath, and healing. The class will focus on efficient and effective practices that move energy and help you clear stagnation and anything your body and your energetic field is ready to release. In the final moments, you'll lay down in Shavasana and receive healing, including advanced Reiki techniques and any other energetic attunements that the group aura is calling for. If you attend this class live or watch the replay, you'll receive the activation and deep healing that your soul is calling for. You can join Soul Tribe online. Right now, the price is $29 a month, and that price is going to increase in 2022. With the monthly Soul Tribe online Uh, membership, you'll have access to these to my classes, as well as all of the classes led by the other teachers. It's perfect for you if you're looking for seasoned teachers, techniques and community to assist you in development of your human potential. I also want to share I do one on one online sessions. So I do Reiki, intuitive healing, and crystal consultations. And in the intuitive healing, we connect to your higher self and your spirit guides and help you release or heal any energy that is no longer relevant to your spiritual growth, as well as use any healing techniques that are called for in the session. You'll receive a deep healing journey with your soul. And these sessions are 60 minutes long. As I mentioned, um, they are 
always online on Zoom, and I can record the session so you can review or re-listen to it later. So if you are interested, scroll down, um, click on the link in the show notes, or you can go to thirdeyescience.com and that's where you will find all of my offerings. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Third Eye Science. Today, I wanted to talk about self-doubt. I've had a few conversations this week that have just made me, um, has br- have brought this front of mind. And I thought, well, it's a good thing for me to discuss on the podcast because we all have moments of (laughs) self-doubt. And and I, I truly mean that. I mean, I don't know. I I can't imagine that there's anyone on the planet that has not at some point, um, experienced (laughs) self-doubt. And so, First, I just want to say, if you are in that space right now, or you're maybe just kind of grappling with it and coming in and out of it, I just want to say you're not alone. (laughs) And it is a completely human, you know, understandable human trait that we go through. And I, I, I believe a lot of it has to do with conditioning and programming from the collective, from society that we're, so we are transitioning from this age of having leaders that tell us what to do. (laughs) And that's in every aspect of our lives from, from spirituality, from government, from, you know, just literally everything. Whereas we're transitioning to an age of working together collectively, taking out like especially where I want to talk about this is with spirituality. We are the the middleman in quotes is no longer necessary. And I don't know that the middleman was ever necessary. It just was the common thing. So you you know you don't need someone. You don't need a guru. You don't need a priest. You don't need a shaman, you don't need a healer to help to connect to your soul and to connect to source. There are people that may help you connect on your own. But anyone who says to you, you you can't access God, 
without doing this and that and the other thing. And, um, based on what I tell you to do is a charlatan. (laughs) I can't believe I used that word. It just sounds like something someone would have said a hundred years ago, but, (laughs) but it's true. It's there, you know, there are people that are still trying to keep us there in that old paradigm of having someone lead you through your spiritual journey. And while I, I mean, I'm not saying that teachers and mentors are not important. That is not what I'm saying. I mean, I am a teacher and a mentor. (laughs) Um, It is, but I have no interest in, in number one, being responsible for your spiritual growth or number two, being, um, the only way that you can get, you know, like that you can have spiritual growth. There's no, I just, that's a, like, it's totally ridiculous (laughs) to think that. And so, um, you may come across you'll in your spiritual journey, almost inevitably, certainly you will come across teachers that you really resonate with. And, um, and they may be, they may not even be a teacher in a formal sense of the word. They may be your partner. It may be your children. It may be a coworker, you know, that just have something to show you that you haven't yet mastered. And I mean, I actually really do feel like children, they're, they haven't yet been conditioned, right? So they're free, they're open, they're full of joy. They're also full of emotion. They allow their emotions to flow. And it, while I realize if you're a parent of a two or three-year-old, that can be incredibly frustrating. It's also really natural, right? And I'm not suggesting that we want, you know, adults walking around with the terrible twos or anything like that. But um, we learn to suppress our emotions and it's not healthy. It doesn't, it's, it's not good for anybody, including the people around you, you know? So, so how does this all relate to self-doubt? It's about, right, like the people don't know exactly. They start to have experiences and then maybe they hit a roadblock, a little bit of a things. So they're on this spiritual journey. They get, they get really far with it maybe even. And then something happens that brings in a little bit of doubt, like, wait a minute, am I on the right path? So I've talked to a couple of people this week that are kind of in that experience. And I was just really um, honored to be able to remind them <laughs> where they've been and where where they've come from and what the the incredible progress that they have made and that they're on the right path 
it was, you know, it's like, I'm not telling anyone what to do. I'm telling them to connect with their self, themselves. I mean, everything that I say every week, I say, you know, do you have a sadhana? Yes, that is like a specific guidance, but having a, pr- a morning practice where you connect to yourself is where you will get your answers. And some in the beginning, when you're just starting your journey, your spiritual journey, or even like your journey with a sadhana, with a practice, with listening to yourself, to your soul, it can be, you know, a lot of self-doubt can come in and that's perfectly natural. And so how do you deal with it and how do you allow yourself to keep going even when the the self-doubt creeps in. So, you know, I've been there. I I certainly still have moments of self-doubt. And for me, what has helped me more than anything is having this establishing this very um, consistent daily practice, no matter what, because the moment, so some, what happens where people kind of lose, uh, um, their kind of lose track of their journey is when they hit a block and then give up. And it's, it's very easy to do that. And I've seen this in spiritual journeys. I've seen this in recovery. I've seen it in in, um, careers. And if you have established a very consistent practice that you do, so this really applies to like all aspects of life, but I'll be specific to a spiritual journey. If you can establish this daily practice that no matter what, no matter how you're feeling, you're going to do it. You can get through those moments of self-doubt and it can it can become this place of comfort. There, you know, there are times where you're going to have, you'll meditate and it won't feel great. That's (laughs) just, just letting you know, I've been there. (laughs) It might, maybe you're just really in your head. You can't focus. Maybe things are coming up that are uncomfortable. It's all meant That's exactly what you're meant to be experiencing. Mm. I had this tea in my hand this entire time and (laughs) I finally thought I need to take a sip and put it down. Um, So if you can really just say, okay, no matter what, I'm going to do this, whether I have doubts about the practice or not, I'm going to do it. 
commit to it. And again, it doesn't have to be some incredibly complicated, long practice, but if it is great, whatever, you know, whatever you feel called to do, it can be an 11 minute meditation. And if 11 minutes even feels like too much, then at least give yourself, commit to three minutes when you wake up in the morning, whenever that is, to breathe and just observe yourself. And then allow that to expand. And the other thing about when self-doubt comes in, so say you have been kind of guided You've been listening, you're, you're, you're getting a little more practice in listening to the pings, the messages that you receive from your soul and your guides, your spirit guides and your intuition. And you have some moments where things just aren't really working out and you're all of a sudden, like, wait a minute, am I, am I wrong? Am I, was that not what I was supposed to do? And sometimes that can be the case, but often it's actually that you're just meant to continue and persist. And so discerning between those two things is important, right? It's, it's very, it's imperative that you learn how to discern when your self-doubt is creeping in versus a new message to like pivot and change your trajectory. But more often than not, when you have a very strong intuitive hit, that's why I think it's so important to write things down because sometimes when you get it, you get this intuitive message and you're, I mean, I'm just speaking from experience and it feels so strong in the moment, right? But then a few hours later, <laughs> when you're like thinking about, well, how, you know, how am I going to make that happen or whatever, like thinking about just the logistics of it, it may no longer feel important. <laughs> and if, if it's, I mean, if you then ignore it, it will keep, it, it will come back. It will keep coming back. So that is another way. That's a really great way, especially in the beginning is the intuitive hit will keep coming. And you know, these lessons that we have in our lives will keep happening if you choose not to learn them. <laughs> so it's just like that, right? The message will keep coming. And sometimes it'll finally hit you in some real way. And it'll just be like you, you'll feel like you just got hit over the head. It's so obvious. And you've been kind of ignoring it. You'll look back and see all the signs were there, all the messages, the messages that were coming in. 
and you'll just be like, oh, (laughs) okay, but that's okay. It's part of the process. It's learning how to discern and how to listen to yourself because often this is another part of like the challenge of being human and being in this society is that often the people around you who maybe aren't listening to their souls, <laughs> maybe they don't get it and they're going to be naysayers in your crazy ideas, right? They're going to say, that's a terrible idea or they're just going to be like, well, why would you do that? You know, and they'll actually try to convince you not to do something. And again, this is just part of the process of you being tested, essentially. Like, am I going to listen to what someone else is saying? Or am I going to listen to what my intuition is telling me? This happens all the time, especially with young people, like, you know, teenagers and young adults. It's, you know, our parents, they want to protect us. They want us to succeed. They love us so much that they don't want us to make risky decisions. But maybe the risky decision is going to lead you on the path towards your destiny. And in fact, often it does. (laughs) And maybe your parents were too scared to take that, make that risky decision for themselves. Because they, they're, you know, with each generation, the, as you go back, the, the programming was really just so much stronger that like, you have to do, do it this way. This is the way we do it. You know, we're, we're now in a, in an age where people really are changing the way the world operates and that's becoming very mainstream. So it's more common now for people to just be kind of just be listening to their soul and to themselves and doing the things they love instead of the things that would be practical and, you know, the thing that would more obviously lead to success. And that's not to say that you're not going to have success following your soul. I actually think if you really listen deeply, you will, you will 1000% be successful It just may not look the way society tells you it should. And I've had that this happen recently in my life. Also over these last few years, just like the things that I've been manifesting in my life have, have come without me even... I'm just like doing my work, doing, 
you know, doing my daily sadhana, doing the work to unblock things that, that are around self-worth. This is where the doubt comes in is when you don't have the, the self-worth piece. So when you are feeling truly worthy of receiving all of the things that you would, that you want in your life and that you're manifesting, then you, then you can receive anything because we really are creating our own reality. And it's, it's a concept that can be when you're just beginning, it can seem so abstract, but it's, I've just seen it over and over again, the miracles happen with me just doing, continuing to do my work and maybe not even having a very specific like manifestation in mind. It's so interesting, the things that have fallen into place for me. And honestly, what I'm doing is, I mean, I have a very, (laughs) I have a lot of um, different practices that I do. And I have, I also often feel called to do practices with, you know, a specific teacher and I'll do a daily practice with them or, or, you know, some sort of immersion. And, um, and sometimes it can feel like really like I have to spend a couple hundred dollars to do this like class every day that is on top of all the other things that I'm doing. And, and, but it feels like a strong pull to do it. And then I'll, I'll just, you know, and it's not a direct thing like, oh, because I did this class, this, this, and this happened. But I know it all adds up. I guess that is the best way to say is that all of the things that I'm doing are, contributing to my energy being magnetic for the things that I'm manifesting in my life. So I had a fr- I have a friend that is really struggling. She's in a point of kind of financially and um, even just with like what she's meant to do, but she knows on a really deep soul level what she's meant to do in this moment. She just doesn't, she can't see what the future brings. And I think it's frustrating for her. And this is the reason I'm sharing this is because I think it's quite common but I have, I'm someone who has been in her life long enough that I am able to just remind her, you, you know exactly what to do right now. You have done this before. You took huge risks and look where it led you. And, you know, and she, and she just needed 
that outside reflection, you know, to, to confirm it for her, to remind her, I think. And so it's also really important to have supportive people in your life. You know, the people who I would say at least one real confidant, you know, that is going to support you no matter what, and is going to remind you of where you've come from. Cause it sometimes can be hard to remember that on our own. Like we, we might need to be reminded. And so maybe I'm reminding you right now, like think about where you were a year ago or two years ago or five years ago and think about where you are now. It's incredible. I guarantee that you have grown a lot since then. And it's important for you to acknowledge that. And so when this self-doubt creeps in, you can remind yourself and you might even be able to remember a moment of self-doubt you had back then when you were making that decision that hard decision to leave a relationship or leave a job or enter into a new relationship, like become vulnerable with someone that you weren't sure, you know, you weren't sure about. Or maybe you are in that moment right now where you're feeling like you're supposed to take the leap, leave or or start something new. Maybe it's time to start something even just for yourself outside of relationships and jobs. And that will help cultivate the thing that you really desire to create. Being creative, again, I've talked about this, I think the last couple of episodes that um, writing it down, so journaling has become a, a big part lately of my daily morning practice. I've been writing every day and just allowing that to be part of, yeah, part of my, almost like a meditation And it's not that I'm necessarily even going back and reading it, but I do also back to what I was saying, when a ping comes, like when a very strong intuitive hit comes, I have this little notebook that I'll write, I'll just write that phrase down. I have it right here and it, it has, so, I mean, this is not something that I write in very often. When I first started doing it, it was more and more often, but I started it. The first one is February, 2019. And it says, (laughs) this is funny. Mindfulness at work stress reduction at work. And I did, I did a class, I did a class at work. I, I, I essentially, I think it was called like meditation for everyone. 
So anyway, this is all to say, these are things that are, that's, um, that's the first thing I ever wrote in this notebook. <laughs> and then if I flip through and I see the last thing that I wrote, let's see if I've done that. <laughs> um, it was on, it was in just in November. Yeah. And this was actually a really beautiful, um, intuition in, it, it just was like this thing that landed for me that day. Um, so it was on the full moon in Taurus on the eclipse. And I realized that my work is, and the, and by that, I mean my like work on myself isn't about necessarily working. I've been like kind of struggling with this, these two parts of me of this, like, the scientist and the spiritual, the yogi, and how to merge those. And I think for a long time, I thought that it meant that at some point I would need to transition to become, to, to have my job be, you know, a spiritual teacher, mentor, healer, whatever. But what I realized was that I'm merging these parts of me so that I can be a whole being. And what that is about is bringing, it's not about bringing spirituality into work. It's being, it's about bringing who I am in my sadhana into work. So that, so then I was thinking about what, what is that? That's like, what is the yogi? What are the, um, the words I would use to describe the yogi in me? And that's present, serene, at peace, calm, also this like higher perspective. So I want to bring those attributes into my work at, at in my job. And it doesn't matter what I'm doing, but I can bring those aspects of me into it. So that these are just ways for me to show you how I'm working through my journey. That's truly what this podcast is about, is really about um, how this person who is highly logical, highly scientific, can also be highly spiritual, and that those two things don't have to be different. And I want to be an expander for all of you to be able to bring your, we, it's time for us to bring the people we are in our spirituality just into our everyday lives. It's not about being a yogi in a cave anymore. And there, there are still yogis that are focused on just literally just meditating in a 
ashram. There are Buddhist monks that that is what they do. There are, you know, all sorts of spiritual traditions that have, and, you know, an example of that have somebody have people who, whose destiny is to be fully immersed in that world. But for the large majority of us, We are out in the world, in society, working with them, working with everyone. We're teachers, we're we're engineers, we're scientists, we're writers, we're artists, we're musicians, we're medical workers we're we're in healthcare and we can bring these aspects of ourselves that we're cultivating in our spiritual practice into those parts of our lives and this is how we become whole this is how we become a a fully embodied spiritual being in this human physical body. So when the self-doubt creeps in, it's time to really sit, listen, Sure, you can consult your trusted mentors. But I also will say, like, your trusted mentors may sometimes tell you not to do the thing that your intuition is telling you. And maybe ultimately, you have to learn to even not listen to them. The the whole point is that you are your own guru. You have control of what you do. It's literally all you have control of. So you might as well take advantage of it. (laughs) We we love to think that we have control (laughs) over so many things, but we don't. It's a major source of frustration for, I think, a large majority of people. <laughs> and I say this as someone who knows, who, who has been there. <laughs> you cannot control other people. You cannot control the world. If anything, these last two years have taught us that we have no control over what is happening in the world. All we have control over is what we, we as individuals can do or, you know, what we are taking action on. And so when you're frustrated by something in the, in the collective, start with yourself. And it truly does. I've seen it. It truly does trickle out. Being an example 
and not preaching or trying to convince anyone of anything is so powerful. It is so profound. It is the most profound way that you can teach is by being. And this is something that I've heard many times people say, you know, with kids and parents, the the old adage is, is do what I say, not what I do. But kids, especially even really, really, really early on, they they see what you're doing and they take that in and that becomes the conditioning <laughs> that that shapes their lives. So even a baby or a really young kid, if you're not present for them, how can you expect them to be present with you when they're a teenager? If you're on your phone in front of your kids when they're really little and then when they are teenagers and you're so frustrated how they're constantly on their phones, it's like, well, you kind of created this. So, you know, our actions speak way louder than words and words are important but action is even more important. And of course, that makes me think of love languages, that everybody has a different love language. So it is important to know what the people around you, what your own love language is. So how do you give and receive love? What is the main way? Some of them are, I don't know if off the top of my head, I can think of all of them, but it's like, words of affirmation, acts of service, quality time, gifts. And I can't think of the fifth one. Mine is quality time. And, but I know a lot of people. Yeah, I just, I think it's really normal to have completely. It's, it's interesting for in a relationship too. And I mean this not even just romantic relationship, but with your fam, your immediate family, your parents, your kids, your siblings, your best friend. It's important to know what their love language is so that you can show the love in a way that they'll receive it. And it's important for you to know what yours is so you can understand, oh, they're, because this is what happens is people show you love in a way that just isn't important to you, maybe. Like they may, maybe acts of service is their love language. And so they love to do things for you, but your, your love language maybe is words of affirmation and they they never say anything. They just do things. So it just, I know this is kind of contradicting what I just said, but the love language is a little caveat and depending on what their love language is. And I think with kids, you can figure it out. Like you can just go online and find, you'll, you'll find a test you can do. 
and figure out what your love language is. But with kids, I think it's really, um, you can see, you can kind of test, start by doing a little bit of testing, seeing what exactly really lights them up and makes them feel, feel better. Like maybe they really just want your time. And maybe that's not your love language. And so it's, you know, it's, it's like making that decision to be there for them. It's a delicate balance of making sure you have the self-care you need and then also giving the people you love your time and energy in an intentional way. But I think the bottom line is where the self-doubt can come in is, is in all of these aspects of relationship and um, contradicting not only opinions, but um, desires of outcome. If you and your family, your immediate family, don't all have the same ultimate desired outcome, it can be challenging when your intuition is telling you something that is the opposite of what everyone else wants you to do. But when you really listen to yourself on a daily basis, you get really good at it. And then the detractors in your life, the people, the naysayers, it's not going to matter to you. When you get really good at it and you get really clear and there's very little self-doubt, it just works. It just works. And then people start to see that like, well, it worked out for them. And then they might even stop telling you what to do. (laughs) Maybe not, but (laughs) you can hope, right? (laughs) But one thing's for sure is if you don't want people telling you what to do, you can't tell them what to do. (laughs) So that's another aspect of it is like not creating self-doubt for others and being that supportive, neutral observer For them, you want the best for them. You love them. And you also want them to be their full self, their whole self. So this can be a very important aspect of the healing journey and the spiritual journey. So I think I will end there. Thank you all so much for your support, for listening. Please, if you have not, if you have listened to this podcast, I'm just going to ask you this. This is one thing. This is one thing I would love for you to do before the end of the year, or maybe you're listening to this in the new year. You can just right now, 
go to your favorite podcast platform and rate and review the podcast. (laughs) If you listen to this podcast regularly, it really is um, the the most um, powerful way that you can say thank you to me is by rating and reviewing because then that will help more people find it And it's not, I don't do this. I mean, this, I'm not making any money doing this. (laughs) Like I'm actually, it costs me money to do this. I am really just trying to help people. So if we can help more people in the world, that would be wonderful. So that is my wish for the holidays. If you're willing to indulge me, Um, if you are, listening to this. Yeah. Just whenever you're listening, (laughs) please rate and review and share it with a friend. Thank you all so much. I love you and, um, enjoy the upcoming winter solstice. I think the next episode will be that week. So just Remember to spend some time, especially on the winter solstice, really connecting to yourself. All right. Thank you so much. Love you. Satnam. Namaste. Namaste.